Monday edition of PFTOT, the place where we talk about the things we didn't get to during PFT Live. And, man, there's several things we didn't get to today. It's nice to need a bigger boat. It's nice to have topics that don't make it in to the two hours because that means things are happening, Chris. And let's start with Bill Belichick talking Friday about Cam Newton. He said that Cam Newton is a hardworking kid. And, look, hard work is going to be a prerequisite to surviving in New England. But the real question is this. Is the starting job at the quarterback position Cam Newton's to lose for 2020? You know, um, yes and no, okay? Like, yes, because we all expect it, right? I mean, we expect Cam Newton to come come out on top here to where he is the starting quarterback. I mean, he is Cam Newton, and he's the MVP not too long ago. And we've seen him do all these special things throughout his career – and there's nobody on the roster in New England that we could say that about. But I, I guess where I say the no part, Mike, is, you know, when we say it's his job to lose, like, they're not just going to anoint him. hit. It's not like, hey, here's Cam, here's the job. Here you go. You're the guy in New England right now. You're taking over for Brady. You know, as we've heard a little through the rumorville and, and news in the media, you know, I, it sounds like Stidham and Hoyer have both got first and second team reps, too. So they're never just going to hand somebody the job in New England. You know, if, if he continues to show progress and that he's doing better and better understanding the offense, then he'll start to get more and more reps with the one because they know he can drive the ship and do everything that's needed to be, do, be done as a starting quarterback. So, you know, what I guess what I'm saying is, yes, I expect him to be the starter, but New, New England, they don't care about status or stature or who you are. You're going to have to earn that on the practice field and in the meeting room, and that's why I kind of push back against saying, like, oh, it's just definitely his to lose, you know? It makes sense? But here's the reality. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the reasons why he was available for so long, you and I talked about this, if you put him as the backup on half or more than half of the teams in the NFL after a couple of practices, the buzz in the locker room is going to be, why is Cam Newton the backup? Right. So if he is that good, that it's going to stand out immediately, it is his job to lose. It is his because he's clearly better than the competition. And if he can't beat out Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer, then there's something really wrong with Cam Newton. And he's not as good as we thought he was. No, that's fair. You're right. You're you're right. You know, and I, I don't have any doubts physically. I don't. You know, I think all those things will show, and whether that's individual drills or seven-on-seven, seven, he's going to make all those throws and plays to where it's going to be eye-popping to the point like what you're saying. Guys are going to go in the locker room and be like, did you see that big sucker out there throwing balls today and throwing rifles and lasers everywhere? It will be just about him learning the offense, getting out of the huddle, doing those things. And I would think also New England's going to have a little leeway with him as well to know this is new. And that he's not going to be perfect here, you know, with every little obstacle that's thrown in front of him and learning a new language in this offense. So as long as they continue to see progress and that he's a work, hardworking kid, as Bill Belichick said, you know, along with the talent, I think, yes, there, I, I just I don't expect him not to be the starter. That's for sure. I expect him to be the starter and then formulate a really cool offense around him and his skill set. And I fully expect to see the Patriots play week one. And at this point, there is a high degree of determination for every team to play every game in the NFL. At the college level, it's a different story. However, Chris, we've seen two major conferences stand down. The other three for now planning to go forward. We'll see if they can hold it together. Big 10 and Pac-12, though, pulled the plug last week. And Justin Fields, one of the top prospects for the 2021 draft and also Ohio State quarterback, 
started a petition over the weekend, hashtag we want to play. When I first noticed it yesterday, it had 116,000 signatures. They are now north of 223,000, and obviously anyone can sign this, fans, players, coaches, etc. but they want the Big Ten to reconsider the decision and put the players back on the field and let them play if they want to play. It comes at a time when parents of Big Ten schools are pressuring the commissioner's office, Kevin Warren, the former Viking COO, who is now the Big Ten commissioner, asking tough questions, looking for answers, basically saying, hey, if some of these schools don't want to play, that's their business. But the Ohio States of the world, they want to compete. They want to be in the fray. Let them do it if they want to do it. Let the players play if they want to play. I don't think it's going to change anything, Chris, but it just shows you how strong that desire is for these kids to get out on the field and show what they can do. Well, definitely. And, you know, and to me, this is like, you know, where we got to be a little careful here at times just in our society. And again, I want us to continue to be careful, but yet push forward a little bit with where we're going and all those type of things. But, you know, there, there's bias here in this certain situation here. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, we know yeah, football players want to play football. We know that. I don't doubt that at all. I get that. You know, also, yeah, football players really want to play football when it's a big year of college football and it can determine where they're going to get drafted and how much millions of dollars they're going to get. You know, let alone, hey, we're Ohio State and we're clearly one of the better teams in college football and all those things. But it, it still goes back to, you know, the old thing you brought up last week, liability. That's really all it's going to come down to. So, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, okay, all these 250,000, you know, signatures – you guys gonna pony up the mini, you know, pony up the money for like a liability lawsuit five years from now when somebody comes down with some part of the virus that you know was unforeseen at this point, but we knew the virus was dangerous and unknown. You know that to me is where it just you know it gets dicey. So I don't you know I don't know. It's unfortunate for the Big Ten. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for those kids at Ohio State because they're in the national title picture definitely. But uh, it just seems like they're kind of steadfast on uh, staying the course and not playing football this fall. And I don't know that they're going to be able to pull it off in the spring. And I don't know how I feel. Well, I know how I feel. I don't like the idea of one college football season in the fall, another one in the no, spring. No, I hate it. Just play them all at the same time. And, and if you're Justin Fields, unless they're going to delay the draft, there's no reason for you to play in the spring and subject yourself to injury when you should be preparing for the draft. And uh, I, it's look, it all continues to be a big mess. I don't know where it goes from here. I still am skeptical that the schools and the, the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are going to be able to pull it off, especially when I see the preliminary photographs of people on campus at some of these major institutions jammed together, right? No masks, no distancing. And uh, that's the kind of 18, 19, 20-year-old behavior that makes it harder for college football to happen at a time when it looks like pro football is definitely going to occur. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I mean, I've, the, the, to me, it's two different stories, you know, from everything I know and what we've talked about and everything. I mean, pro football is seems on the right track. And even again, I'll echo some sentiments we talked about last week. You know, I, I'm hearing even more that, you know, the players are on their game. They really are. They're holding each other accountable in the locker room. You know, so that's really, really impressive. Yeah, young kids in a college locker room are not doing that. And as we saw in Oklahoma, they left the, the, the school and went home for a weekend or whatever, got a little break in between their practice. And, oh, yeah, it's nine positive tests, let alone, yeah, and we're going to have kids at school. I just don't understand 
how I don't I don't understand how either. I don't get it. I mean, if you're gonna have like forty thousand kids at campus at Oklahoma and then it's gonna be like, okay, we start the football season. Well, I mean, I just don't understand. Like the the guys on the team are going to get the virus, and then you're going to have to cancel a week or a, you know whatever a game or whatever it may be. I just there's too many variables there to keep everybody safe and healthy. I just don't see how that can happen. And one last point that illustrates the difference between professional football and college football: the pro athletes are going to have an incentive to continue to do all the right things, even once their teams are essentially done for the year. Because the games aren't done, you keep getting paid. If it all falls apart in November or December, you don't get paid for those games that don't get played. For the college athlete who doesn't get paid, right, once the season goes down the drain, once you know you're not going to be competing for anything of significance, once you're just kind of tired and beat up and you're not getting paid anyway, there may be less attention to detail to keep the virus out of the building, and it may set the stage for some of these schools, the lesser schools, to have outbreaks because you just don't care. Right. We're not competing for a conference championship. We're not competing for a spot in the BCS Final Four. We're, we're done. We're, let's just end it and, if, and, and maybe not directly end it, but indirectly end it by no longer doing the things necessary to keep the virus out when the virus apparently is going to be rampant in a lot of these campuses. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I'm still surprised the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC are going forward. I'm going to be surprised if they actually Mike, pull it off this year. Are they all going forward with schools, too, full campus and all those? Like, you know, I, I, that, that's the one thing I wasn't aware of. Like, you know, ACC, SEC, Big 12, yeah, where are they in the school conversation there? I haven't looked at it school by school, but I don't know how you can justify having the players on campus playing no. football. If you don't have students on campus, it, you can't have college football without college. But that pursuit of the money is blinding a lot of people to what otherwise would make sense. All right. We've been trying to make sense of the Minnesota Vikings post Stefan Diggs as they try to make the offense work. And one of their key pieces, the one guy who was eligible for a contract and didn't get his reward after that win over the Saints, unlike Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, Dalvin Cook said, over the weekend, he never considered holding out. Now, that contradicts an Adam Schefter report from June once Cook stopped participating in the voluntary off-season meetings via video conference that Cook wasn't going to show up unless he got a new contract. He says, that was never coming from me. I guess it was coming from his agent. Then. The bottom line is he's there. He's all in. He says he never considered holding out. The question becomes whether or not the Vikings give him a reward or whether they're just going to do the franchise tag dance that the Titans did with Derrick Henry earlier this year. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the big question. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, this is an awesome football player. I mean, I think it's funny, the, the fact that, you know, it, it didn't come from me. We had all these mixed messages leading up into the training camp. Zimmer, you know, saying he's going to be there because Dalvin Cook said he was going to be there. The running back coach, the agent, all over the place. It looks like the agent, like, yeah, he got in the middle of that and was trying to, like, basically be – you know, the guy, the bad guy for Dalvin Cook to go, oh, he might not be there. Uh, either way, him being there is big, you know, because of what you said. There's, there is no Stephon Diggs. It's one less proven commodity in their offense. And, yeah, they got a young rookie stud who I love, Justin Jefferson, you know, out of LSU that's going to fill that spot, but he's still a rookie. So I don't know if you can expect him week one to just hit the ground running and like, oh, man, we didn't lose a beat with Stephon Diggs. I doubt that as much as I like just Justin Jefferson. I would think there's going to be a few bumps in the road. Uh, but regardless, I'm, I'm glad to see Dalvin Cook there and, and going at it, and hopefully he can have a great year and stay healthy and get paid. 
You mentioned Justin Jefferson and Gary Kubiak, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, said over the weekend that Jefferson is exactly what we drafted. We knew he was a very talented young man who had a comfort zone in the slot because he did that a lot. And that raises the question, where are we going to see Justin Jefferson? You know, I thought we'd see a lot of Irv Smith Jr., the Vikings pass-catching tight end, second-year player out of Alabama in the slot this year. I've been told, keep an eye on Smith, that he's a guy who's going to pick up a lot of the balls that otherwise would have gone to Stephon Diggs. But now you got Jefferson in the slot. Who's going to be outside? They love B.C. Johnson. He did some good things last year. It's going to be interesting to see how they configure the receivers and the tight ends, Chris, when it's time to line up and throw the ball. Yeah, it is. You know, they, they got a little flexibility there with, you know, two good tight ends and two good receivers or more than two good receivers, but two standout receivers with two really good running backs. They're going to be able to put you in a bind, you know, through their personnel sets. But Jefferson ultimately, Mike, I think will be that slot guy. That's what he was in college. He's got that, you know, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins type way about him where, yeah, it's great size, it's good route running, it's unbelievable physicality over the middle of the field, and he can make things happen after the catch. I mean, that's where he's special. You know, you go back and you know, watch Oklahoma in the Final Four game against LSU. Watch him, you know, catch a ball over the middle and break a tackle and go up the left sideline against Texas, you know, for a 60-something yard touchdown. He's got a lot of plays like that to where I think that's really his great value, Mike. Like, yeah, he'll be good outside. Definitely, like a Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins, but I think his bread and butter will be his ability to be quarterback friendly and really be a true football player and block in the running game and do all those things to where I think the middle of the field will be where you know he makes his makes uh makes his money for Kirk Cousins in that offense. Another first round receiver from 2020 played at Arizona State, now plays in San Francisco. Brandon Ayuk, a guy that Kyle Shanahan really liked. He really likes him after what he's seen so far, said Shanahan on Saturday in a video conference with reporters. I've been real impressed with Brandon. You can tell he's been working, and that's why he's further ahead, I think, than a lot of rookies would be at this time. He also said that Brandon Ayuk, along with Javon Kinlaw, the other first-round pick the 49ers had this year, guys that don't have to be told by their teammates, this isn't college anymore. Right? They're carrying themselves the right way. They're doing the right things. They're not doe-eyed and overwhelmed and slacking and waiting for it all to come to them they're going and taking it now will that translate into a high level of production who knows but at least for now it checks that box that they look the part they're acting the part and they're embracing the part they now play yeah that's right i mean there's it's it's so annoying when you get a, a young talented rookie coming into your football team and the coaches and the players see the talent but they go oh man he's just He's a kid. He's an immature idiot. You know, like, oh, my gosh, we got to teach him everything. You know, we, we basically got to feed him breakfast in the morning right now. I mean, that's how it can be sometimes, and that just, like, can wear you out. So when you get rookies that come in the building that are game-ready, practice-ready, pro-ready, Brandon Ayuk, he's like that on the field for one. And, hey, these are the great advantages of coming from a school that has an ex-NFL head coach and Herm Edwards at Arizona State. He taught his guys how to be pros, how to act like pros, how to be pros on the practice field daily and be consistent that way. So, you know, hey, the 49ers, you know, just like we talked about with Justin Jefferson with the Vikings, they got two rookies that they got to really depend on here early. So that's that's encouraging to hear. Debo Samuel's hurt. You saw what he did last year as a rookie. Well, now they're going to have to put Brandon Ayuk in that spot and hope he can deliver some of the goods that way, which I think he will because Shanahan makes – 
life easy for wide receivers. And then on the flip side with Javon Kinlaw, same thing. You know, the, 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 you know, Mike, I'll, I'll say this, and my dad brought this up on the podcast last week. This might be a good year to be the Seattle defense, you know, to play that scheme. You don't have a lot of time to put in all these intricate details and defenses and all these creative things. Maybe this is the year where you just want to go, no, this is what we do, and we're not going to mess up. And Kinlaw, like, is a freak of nature. And at 330 and the way he can move, he's going to play in a defense where they're going to go, you, know, you see this gap between the guard and the tackle? Just win that gap. Win that gap. Win that. We don't have any other rules for you. Just win that gap. Win that gap. And that guy, as freaky as he is, he's going to win it 95 out of 100 times. So they're going to have to depend on rookies, but I think they're in spots to succeed, I guess is what I'm saying. Last one before we go, and this is a moment of history for the National Football League. The last team to embrace a black player is the first NFL franchise to have a black team president. Jason Wright, former NFL running back, 38 years old. Washington makes him the team president. It's basically him and Ron Rivera, both reporting directly to Daniel Snyder. Jason Wright has a lot of experience post his football career in business, learning how to transform organizations, which is exactly what Washington's in the middle of. So it sounds like the perfect candidate to turn around an an inherently and longstanding dysfunctional football team, Chris. Yeah, definitely does. I don't know Jason Wright, but this is cool to see. I mean, this is a barrier being broken by a team that we were all, you know, yelling at to like, hey, break your own damn barrier and change the nickname of your team. So this is a good start. You know, maybe Dan Snyder self-evaluating myself a little bit and realizing, man, there's some things that I haven't done right, and what, what can I start to do to repair my relationship with the Washington area and the nation and everything like that? So, yeah, this is a good start. It really is. I mean, it sounds like Jason Wright, like you said, has done a lot of good things. African-American man, first one, you know, that's special, along with Ron Rivera, who we know has a, a, a neat background himself, and they care about people and everything like that. So, uh, hopefully this can be the start of a new era there with the Washington football team. Here's the key, as far as I'm concerned. There will be people who criticize Daniel Snyder for hiring a minority president just for show. Yeah, right? of course. I don't right. care. He did it. It doesn't matter. He did it, right? If if you if you can comply, oh, oh, he only did it because they're currently being criticized for this and the other thing. He still did it. He broke a barrier that previously – all the teams in the NFL had not broken. So we're seeing progress, we're seeing change, we're seeing evolution, we're seeing revolution of this Washington football team right before our eyes. We can grumble about it and say, well, they're just doing what they have to do. Or we can say, you know what, they're doing what they have to do. They're doing what they need to do. Right. And they're doing things that maybe other teams should be paying attention to, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I, you're, you're right. There's going to be those haters out there. They're going to be like, oh, they're only doing this to repair their image. All right, well, there's a lot of other teams we can look at and I go, they could use a little image repairing too. You know, to your point, they're not doing this is a big move. This is. And I don't you know, I don't give a damn what the circumstances are. You know, this is a great thing for society, the great thing for our league and way, way over freaking done in our league. So it's good to see it finally happen here in 2020. Well, Chris, that's it for Monday. We've had a full day. We've touched on everything that we needed to touch on and we'll do it again Coming up on Tuesday, new Chris Sims on Button coming later today. New stuff at ProFootballTalk.com all day long. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you on Tuesday. See you.